WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to The Sci-Files, an Impact 89 FM series focusing on student research here at Michigan State University. We're your co-hosts Chelsea Boudou and Daniel Puentes. You might be surprised to learn that mammary tumors often look incredibly similar in our veterinary species, like rodents, cats, dogs, and even zoo felines, like lions and tigers. To tell us more about this very interesting topic, we're here with Raisa Globman. Raisa, may you please introduce yourself to our audience? Hi, thanks for having me. My name is Raisa Gladman, and I am a veterinarian, a graduate student at Michigan State University, and a research fellow at the NIH at the National Cancer Institute in Bethesda, Maryland. It's nice to meet you, Raisa, and thanks for joining us on the show. A lot of people may not know what the NIH is. Could you explain a little bit in more detail what your role is at the NIH and what is it? The NIH stands for the National Institutes of Health, and it is actually the world's largest biomedical research center, and it contains multiple institutions like the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute, the National Cancer Institute, the National Institute for Infectious and Allergic Diseases, as well as many, many more. And we're spread out over several campuses all over the country and many other satellite campuses all over the world. But primarily, we're in Bethesda, Maryland, and we have some labs in Rocky Mountain in Hamilton, Montana. My role on the NIH campus is as a postdoctoral research fellow as well as a graduate student. So I wear several hats. I'm in the CBSTP program, which stands for the Comparative Biomedical Scientist Training Program, which is a combined degree program. We, as fellows in this particular program, spend the first two to three years in a veterinary pathology residency at a partner school. And we take our graduate courses. My partner is, of course, Michigan State University. We have several others. And then in year three, we choose a laboratory at NIH, which matches our interests. And we've had fellows, probably about 20 to 25 fellows have graduated through the program over the past 10 or so years. They've worked on models of traumatic brain injury, mouse models of human metastatic cancers to the brain, lung lesions caused by Nipah virus in hamsters. H1N1 flu in ferrets, comparative genomics of canine and human glioblastomas, and the list goes on and on. So our role is to be trained as comparative biomedical scientists. Sounds like quite a prestigious program. That's really cool that you're in there. I agree with Danny. NIH is very prestigious, and it's a wonderful facility to work at. So, Raisa, we know that you're doing research with veterinary pathology, specifically with mammary tumors. But could you expand a little bit more and tell us more in depth about your research? My interest is actually in the tumor microenvironment of several types of cancers, including mammary cancer or breast cancer as it's known in humans. The tumor microenvironment is tumor cells, the host cells, immune cells, blood vessels, and all the components of the physical tumor mass. Specifically, my research is interested in the stroma, which is actually the host tissue manipulated by tumor cells. In lots of cases, this forms a physical and physiologic barrier to chemotherapies, and certain cells in the tumor microenvironment can actually be recruited by the tumor to metabolize drugs and protect the tumor from immune recognition and infiltration. In our lab at the National Cancer Institute, we have developed a technique called photoimmunotherapy, where we use near-infrared light to selectively target any cell in a tumor for killing. Let's clarify for our audience. Tumor cells are just another way of saying cancer cells. 
And in this procedure, you were saying how you could possibly use near-infrared light to target cancer cells. But I wonder, what is the penetrability of that near-infrared light? Are you only able to target tumor cells that are near the surface of the skin, or are you able to penetrate to deeper targets as well? Most of what we do is on the skin surface. We're actually interested in skin tumors and mammary tumors, which are close to the skin surface, which are the number one cause of head and neck cancers in people. So we use those models a lot, but near-infrared light is actually fairly harmless and can penetrate living tissues up to three centimeters from the skin surface. But the way that we can manipulate this technique to reach more inaccessible tumors like the pancreas or the esophagus is actually to put them on things like endoscopes with near-infrared light on the end of them to enter the esophagus of a mouse or a person and even reach far-off places like the pancreas to activate cells with this immunotherapy. That makes a lot of sense that you're using an endoscope because that's already equipped to go into someone's body. And for those of you that don't know, near-infrared light is safe for you. People use it all the time in biomedical devices. For example, in your watch, whenever you're seeing that light come out of it to measure something within you, it's usually near-infrared light. You're focused on veterinary pathology, though. How do animals come into this project, and what role are they playing? Animals are absolutely essential in this research and would not have been made possible without them. Most of the groundwork for all of this research has been animal models of human cancers have laid the groundwork for all of this research. The use of animals, particularly mouse models of human cancers, is absolutely essential to this research. Everything we do, we do in mice first. So anything we discover in mice has to be translated to people, which is where veterinarians come in. This is something that's come up in previous interviews of the Sci-Files, but just for a refresher, could you remind our audience about why different research groups use mice models comparatively to others, like such as a pig or a rat model, for example, when it comes to doing these kinds of cancer studies? While large animal species like pigs or particularly rhesus macaques are probably more similar to humans, we can actually use mice for modeling of a lot of different diseases because our immune systems are fairly comparable. They're smaller size, so we can keep more of them. Their lifespans are shorter, so we can do things in smaller amounts of time. Our lab animal species are highly regulated, so there are other reasons why we use mice and not pigs or primates, for instance. Yeah, a lot of researchers use mouse models to first test their ideas, and then they translate it to human research. That brings me to my next question. I was wondering, have you been able to translate this research with humans? And if you have, what progress has been made? Exactly. That is where veterinarians come into the picture, particularly veterinary pathologists, which is the field that I'm in. Our job is essentially to compare tissues like tumors, organs, and models for understanding human disease. In our lab, in the National Cancer Institute, we have developed this technique called photoimmunotherapy using the infrared light to selectively target cells in a tumor for killing. And actually, the procedure targeting EGFR, which is the epidermal growth factor receptor, which is on the surface of cancer cells, often it's mutated or amplified in these cells specifically compared with other cells because it is expressed in other cells, as you can imagine, in the skin. Photoimmunotherapy using near-infrared light is actually in phase three human clinical trials in the U.S. and was approved just this year 
for use in Japan to treat inoperable or non-responsive head and neck cancers in people. It's always really exciting to hear when new kinds of research studies are being translated from the animal model and now being used in human testing. Hopefully, these clinical trials can improve the quality of lives for people that suffer from skin cancer. You also talked about how the other part of your graduate experience involved doing veterinary pathology residencies for different kinds of animals. What are some of your favorite experiences doing your residencies? Necropsies were always my favorite part of residency, which was completed at the Michigan State University Veterinary Diagnostic Lab. I was able to perform hundreds of these necropsies for research and for clients, as well as thousands of surgical biopsies taken from all sorts of animals, bearded dragons, fish, birds, cats, dogs, horses, cattle, sheep, goats, name it. A necropsy is essentially an autopsy for animals, which is where we examine an animal that has deceased. We collect all tissues. We put those tissues into formalin, which is a derivative of formaldehyde, which is a preservative. We section those tissues and we process those for examination under a microscope. We also perform several tests, if necessary, for things like bacterial, fungal, viral causes of death in an animal, and anything else we need to understand how an animal has died. Wow, that's a lot of residencies, and it's really great that you got such a wide variety of experiences. I know that you had mentioned that you were doing a lot of this with local Michigan zoos. Were all of these residencies within zoos, or did you have experience with other types of facilities? Good question. Michigan State University veterinary pathology residents are super lucky that we have amazing facilities to be able to perform necropsies from mice all the way up to elephants and giraffes, which we do not very frequently, but on occasion. So included in a veterinary pathology residency for most people might not include other species outside of cats, dogs, horses, and other livestock, but we are very lucky in that we were able to perform necropsies on zoo species all over Michigan and the Midwest. During my residency, two zoo species, which were both cane toads, one male and one female named Beyonce and Jay-Z, of course, were submitted to us and we were able to isolate a bacterial infection in the female, which we were able to determine was actually brucella, which is a species of bacteria we've never even seen in this particular species of toads. Usually when people think of their vets, they think of somebody that can take care of their small animals such as dogs or cats. But with experience in a residency in veterinary pathology, are you interested in doing something that's maybe a little less traditional? I think the most important takeaway message to those out there listening is that veterinarians are essential to biomedical research, from basic mechanisms and animal modeling of human diseases all the way to clinical trials and drug and chemotherapy efficacy. I can guarantee you that there would not be a COVID vaccine or any other vaccine without the critical expertise of veterinarians and veterinary pathologists. I love being a vet and a scientist, and I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive. You're very right about that, Raysom. Many people really don't value the research that is done with animals, especially with veterinary pathology. I love hearing the backstory from everyone as to what really got them into their topic, as to what got them into their field. 
I would love to know more about you, though. What motivated you to specifically study veterinary pathology? I think when you talk to most veterinarians, they can honestly say that they've wanted to be vets since they were small children. But I did not actually enter into the world of veterinary medicine or science until much later on in life. I spent my college years in an anthropology lab doing DNA testing on different types of monkeys. I wanted to go into public health, which is why I went into a public health master's degree program at Tulane University. And following my master's, I started working at an animal disease center in New York. This is a federal biodefense research facility that is exclusively working on transboundary animal diseases or really serious animal pathogens that can cross international borders and might be a threat to livestock in the United States. So I worked there for three years and I was exposed to all different sorts of science revolving around animal disease, which really inspired my interest in veterinary pathology. That sounds like it was a really unique experience to you, and I'm glad that it helped inspire you to pursue this kind of field that, as you had already explained, is really critical to the infrastructure of pumping out new kinds of medicines for people. Thank you for joining us today, Raisa, to talk to us about this research, and good luck with the rest of your research, and I hope to hear more about this new up-and-coming clinical trials become more of a reality for people. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. To hear more about us and learn more about our episodes, check out scifiles.org. If you're a current MSU student that would like to be interviewed, please reach out to us at scifiles at impact89fm.org. We'll catch you next week on the Sci-Files, and remember, the truth is in the science.